On January 13th, HBO released the first three episodes of Peacemaker, a spin-off television series of the Suicide Squad film that came out last summer. The show was conceived, written, and directed by James Gunn, the only filmmaker to direct for both Marvel and DC. He originally envisioned Dave Bautista taking on the titular role due to their relationship on Guardians, but Bautista was too busy with Zack Snyder's zombie movie, Army of the Dead. John Cena, who hosted the revival of Wipeout that we reviewed last year, plays Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker. The premise of this season is that Chris and his handlers, a team of misfits associated with Belle Reve Prison, are assigned Project Butterfly, which is a risk to all humanity based on the ending shot of episode three. So what do we make of Warner Bros. Vigilante TV show? What facts did we learn along the way, and what's the best sidekick animal that you would want? It's Saturday, January 15th, and you're listening to today's episode. episodes what do you know about the drama that predated this this series and also the second suicide squad movie well i know that james gunn was fired from marvel and then it felt like when he made the second uh, suicide squad movie it was almost like an f you to marvel because he kept on casting people that had been in like the second guardians of the galaxy is that how you read it was that like he personally wanted to make them pay i mean a little bit the weasel was his brother i know that and his brother was in the second guardians of the galaxy but he also casted people like taika watiti um and then there was the merle guy from the walking dead and just some other people that i'm forgetting right now so you mean merle who also played in guardians right yeah yeah, and as I said, Dave Batista was originally supposed to be John Cena's character. However, he wanted to work with Zack Snyder on this other project, which hasn't gotten the best reviews, but it is a franchise. And so, like, the Army of the Dead is a thing. But it's also ironic because James Gunn, one of his earlier movies was, I think, Dawn of the Dead? In the, the 2004 remake? Yes, and you know more than I did when going into this. But there's also a few other facts that I just want to get down in the podcast before we continue. First of all, the first Suicide Squad movie came out in 2016, yeah, rated PG-13. I never saw that one. I remember being so disappointed when I saw the commercial and you seeing the it only PG-13. One. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was disappointed by the film as well, but yeah. But David Ayer, the person who directed that one, wanted the sequel to be R as well. Yeah, and I know that he has like his own original cut, almost like the Snyder cut a little bit. He said like after the second one came out, he wanted to release a uh, air cut or something like that. Of what? The first film? Of the first film, Okay, because yeah. I was like, he wouldn't have the footage no, for the yeah. second film he wasn't even on set okay yeah so after 2016 happened it was a development process that took seven years to even get that one made and uh david ayer from watch uh, end of watch and fury he wrote it as well as directed it yeah. but apparently you're saying he had his own version of it that he wanted to release. yeah i think the studio the like cut. came in and, and did stuff i actually like the first 30 minutes of the suicide squad from 2016 i like the you backstory. sound like joel kinnaman like he came out and he was like i love the first 40 yeah, the minutes back, the backstory was fine it's actually when they got into the plot of it where it was like oh this isn't a good movie well skimming through the casting process at the time they offered almost every a-lister out there like a top role in the film because they were trying to compete with marvel still right. and like from gosling to oprah well i know that when they aired the first five minutes of the film um first off the oprah thing is amazing i <laughs> live for viola davis i assume yes yeah but uh, when they aired the first like and octavia octavia spencer also for the same role. yeah that's that's crazy but when they like aired the first seven minutes at comic-con i know that the director i think it might have been david Ayer, came out and like said in in front of like a crowd of people fuck marvel or something like that so yeah the, this was supposed to be like the really big because this is coming out after batman v superman right yeah yeah, so at that point, like in 2016, we hadn't really seen DC make their DCEU yet, 
So we were uh, like, Superman had had a few films, I think. Well, moment. he had the 2013 film, but we were like, oh, DC might be able to like actually compete with Marvel. And then Batman v Superman came out, and Suicide Squad came out the same year, and they both were not as like. Well, if you look at David Ayer's, like when I mentioned End of Watch and Fury, it's very serious movies, and so was the first Superman. Like they were, and so were was Batman before that with Christopher Nolan. So they always were looking at it from like a darker tinge right. than uh, Marvel has been because of its connection with Disney. Mm-hmm. So Warner Bros. wasn't going to just ditch that based on the mixed reviews. They were actually going to make the sequel with Ayer being as the director oh, again. Wow. But then he left because he wanted to do other stuff. So, But he was signed on. He wanted to do an R-rated one. They kind of pushed back and they were like, eh. So he left. And then they started getting really desperate. And they started courting every director out there from the <laughs> Zombieland director to Mel Gibson. And they Mel had a, Gibson. Yeah, they had a few other directors <laughs> attached who also fell through. And that's why it took a couple more years than normal to make a sequel. Kind of a sequel, also a reboot, but not completely. Yeah, it was like a it was a like reboot sequel. They cycled through a ton, of, a ton of scripts. Like there were ones that had Death. Was his name Death Star? Death Note? The one from no, uh, Teen the, Titans? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Well, the Teen Titans go movies. Yeah, Death Shot or something. Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Deathstroke was supposed to be like a big deal in the movies, and then that he just was completely scrapped. I don't think he's in the movie at all for the Suicide Squad. But they cycled through a ton of those scripts. Then the thing in 2018 happened with James Gunn that you were talking about with his tweets. Warner Bros. The day he was fired, nabbed him up <laughs> and was like, "Take over Superman." <laughs> and he said, "No." <laughs> so then they were like, "You can have any project, do whatever you want with it." And he so said, "I want to do Suicide Squad," which isn't. That big of a surprise based on his earlier work, and we'll talk about that in a second. But they gave him carte blanche. Like, they said he insisted on the R rating, and they were like, fine. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so, but, like, he, they weren't going to do it beforehand. And then they were like, you can recast whoever you want. Uh, originally, Idris Elba was supposed to be the recast for Will Smith, or that's what is rumored. Some There have been back and forth. So he was supposed to be the same character But then they, they decided to backtrack. And it, that was what the story was. But then Idris Elba came out and said, no, that wasn't oh, what happened. Okay. But yeah, who knows? But they really wanted to keep Margot Robbie. They were like, please don't recast Margot <laughs> oh, yeah, Robbie. No, 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 but yeah. I think they would have if he had insisted. She was the best part of the first film, by <laughs> okay. far. So they handed him the keys to the series. And uh, then as a joke, he was like, well, what if we just called it The Suicide Squad, since it's not exactly a remake, but it is sort of a remake. Right, because the first one was called Suicide Squad. And they ended up using it. 131 Days to Shoot. And you saw it was a big success. I really like that movie. Starfish. It was really good, yeah. Evil Starfish thing. <laughs> one of my favorite like cartoon villains from growing up when I was watching that series, the Batman Beyond mm-hmm. one, I think. According to an interview with Hollywood Reporter, and this is spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen The Suicide Squad. I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't. Uh, Gunn was so impressed by John Cena's performance while working with him, and he is one of those directors who kind of like works with all his actors and then works up a relationship and then recasts them, yeah. like Nathan Fillion and like you were talking about, just right, everybody yeah. respects the hell out of this guy. So he wrote this whole series during COVID, during the pandemic uh, lockdown, not even knowing it was going to be made, and then just was like out of out of fun, I guess. And then when they offered him the chance to he was like absolutely and that's how it came to fruition well that's why i was so impressed by it. like i i looked up when the movie came out it was early august and then suddenly in january we suddenly get the peacemaker tv show and i was like whoa like that's an insane time like i turn around or whatever you call it to like shoot this thing and like actually get the scripts down and everything like that yeah i think they were already in the process though of completing uh suicide squad or, or shooting it when COVID hit, so that may have been the reason why the TV show came right, up. Yeah, right, yeah, I, I remember, like, they, I read that, like, didn't they rap and then they had to edit from home because that's when, that's yeah. when COVID hit? Yeah, yeah. 
So you seem pretty familiar with James Gunn's work. Can you name all his like stuff? Oh no, not even close. So you know <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, right. Guardians of the Galaxy two, and then Guardians of the Galaxy three because they rehired him <laughs> right they, right afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know anything else beside that. He did Scooby Doo. He wrote the original Scooby Doo <laughs> script. Uh, which, if you think about it, in like a weird, obfuscated sense, it sort of makes similar. sense. I mean, I could see he's, it, he's yeah. got that like kind of humorous. He's got that like pulpiness, dark, violent humor. <laughs> no, there's no darkness in Scooby Doo. Then you have Dawn of the Dead. Slither was also one of his works. Oh, and Nathan Fillion. Uh, I was thinking more Merle, but yeah, <laughs> and yes, also uh, the Belko experiment. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, did he write the Belko experiment as well, or did he just direct it? I believe so. Some of these he just wrote, like Scooby-Doo, but he may have also directed the Belko experiment. I mean, the Belko experiment didn't do too well. He's got this, yeah, I know. He's got this weird fusion that happens, though, like with whatever genre he's going in, even if it's horror, like with Slither, he's got like quirky playfulness and like humor imbibed in there, and then those like this goofy characters despite everything, and that's kind of similar with like tech taika watiti like you were talking yeah. about yeah except taika watiti goes for like a more um for the most part comedic tone like a more i don't know this is tone. pretty comedic this this series <laughs> you could have <laughs> told it me to start off with the dancing intro so yeah yeah but the serious dancing intro i mean yeah i felt like they're all very serious when they're doing it and they were wondering like uh daniel brooks apparently told him like what are we doing why are we all making serious faces <laughs> like, yeah. well the thing is is that like with the dancing intro i thought that they were just gonna keep it for the first episode and in like the second or third episode i thought they were just gonna have like a title card that said peacemaker on it i was a little confused as to why they kept the dancing intro the whole entire time i thought but... i thought it changed i had to go back to the first episode and rewatch it because of the characters like i started recognizing all the ones from that episode that I watched, and I was like, I don't even remember them from the previous episode. Were so, they? Were they? And in they it? weren't. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't change. It's just by mind because the janitor's even there from the first right, episode. Yeah. So I was like, maybe he'll disappear in the next time. But you know, it's it's cool. It's a cool intro, unique. It was actually produced, or that part of it was like directed by Carissa Barton, who is Alan Tudyk's wife. Who he's also worked with before. It's weird how she would like would shoot the intro for a TV show. I don't think about someone. I like. I thought it was shot by James Gunn. Like the whole thing. Well, I think it was like he wrote it out, and then he was like, "I need you guys. because she's a dance person." I guess, oh, like okay. into the yeah. whole like that type of aesthetic. So it was shot almost like a, a performance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost like uh, what was it? Hawkeye's musical. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I'm this gonna fit in. Could you have like a full superhero musical if you just combined different portions? Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of which, I, I need to say that the best thing about the show by far is John Cena. Oh, you liked his performance? Yeah. It's not even one of those things where it's like he just did a good job. Like he, he I, I thought, did like a great job. Like he made this so much better than I than it probably should have been at that. He's point. He's doing so much right now. Yeah, but I mean, like. <laughs> There were just some lines of his that, like, just had me only dying. Only him could pull off, like... Yeah, like, well... He, he was only originally supposed to play, like, a douchey Captain Bro America. I mean, know? that's practically what he is. But he is. also... He, the, the reason why he got his own TV show and what scenes sold Gun on, like, working with him again was the rat catcher right after he killed uh, Joel Kinnaman's character, Rick Flagg. Uh -huh. um, and he looks at her with like almost not just guilt, but also like remorse. But at the same time, like I had to do it. And it was like all that emotion. And he was like, I can, 
I can take that and mold it into my own TV show based on this character. I can see a better Call Saul moment with this that guy. That one scene, I thought the one scene you were going to bring up is the, like, a death competition he had with Idris Elba when they, like, break into oh, the, the village. No, no, when they break into oh. the village and they're, like, trying to kill people in, like, a cool way. Yeah, that's just all comedy, though. <laughs> well, yeah, because this is what that is. Like, there was very little dramatic moments, I felt like, in this TV show. It's okay. also not even John Cena's first attempt to get into the DC platform. I don't know what that means. He wasn't willing to... Oh, ask. so they didn't say, like, what he auditioned for before? No, but apparently this wasn't his first go. The only issue I have with Gunn's type of goofiness and raunchiness and his, like, everybody's a blunt, bumbling villain, mm-hmm. because, like, nobody's immune to, like, the accidental fart. Even right. Idris <laughs> Elba's, like, suave character was, was still making mistakes and tripping over yeah. bananas mm-hmm. and stuff. Only problem that I see with that, though, is that when you have, like, the Joker from The Dark Knight or... Uh, Green Goblin from Spider-Man or something, where the role needs a certain amount of villainous, like, non-comedy. Like, it needs them to be so serious that you actually find them intimidating. Right, yeah. <laughs> That, that it kind of takes that away. You well, can't you can't use that. I don't think he's going to be facing anyone Obviously. super serious, though. I'm just saying that, that it's kind of... It restricts him in a way where other filmmakers may not... Like, it's just a, a habit of his, almost. But what, what did this remind you of mostly? The first three uh, episodes? Doom Patrol. For the most part, you have the whole entire team. And, and, and huh. you, like, I mean, here, here's the thing. I think that Doom Patrol did a better job in terms of, like, making their characters unique than this did. This, except for Peacemaker, felt like kind of just generic, tropey characters. You have the badass female who uh, is going to be the love interest. You have the person who's working... Yeah, Harcourt. And then you also have the new recruit who's kind of, like you are saying, the bumbling person who uh, ends up working for Viola Davis, uh, Leota Adebayo. Adebayo is her daughter. <laughs> That's what we learn in the scene where she contacts her directly. We have a cameo from Vi- Viola Davis. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. In the first episode. Second, and, I think, right? Or was it the first? It was the first episode. Okay. But then you also have, like, the nerd who gets made fun of a lot, the John Economos, the tech and tactics person. And then you have... Diebeard? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you have the person who's leading them all, who's like a hard-ass Murr. Clemson and, Murr, who reminded me of Ch- Chad L. Coleman from Expanse, like his role there. Oh, because yeah. he plays sort of like, he has a past where he supposedly was this terrible villain, but in reality he's sort of a good guy. But like, they, well, except for Peacemaker in the show, did you find any of them actually compelling? I didn't really think about it too much. I didn't have a problem with any of their characters, so to speak. The ending was goofy again, where Economos ended up killing the uh, the ninja <laughs> guy, and <laughs> and they all showed them. I, I I really don't have a problem. I've seen Abadayo, the person who plays her before Danielle um, Brooks again from uh, Orange Is the New Black, and she had kind of a oh, okay. big role in that, playing I think Tasty, and then Steve Aggie, who actually was in the original or in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, he also subbed in apparently for the shark in all the scenes, so he's been. So there you f- mean like with the with the balls and everything? Like he like subbed in in terms of like acting out what the shark did because it was Sylvester Stallone who voiced him, right? Yes, because like Sylvester Stallone wasn't there for right <laughs> to just play the shark. <laughs> That's not how it works. Um, and then the person who played Harcourt, ironically, is Jennifer Holland. She's been dating James Gunn since 2015. And this was like her first big, big role. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, because she was in the her. Suicide Squad and then she was in this as Hardcore. I hadn't seen her or anything else. And yeah. Then, so those are your characters. We also have uh, the White Dragon, his dad. Right. Who's a neo Nazi sort of KKK villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show that I thought you would say this reminded you the most, honestly, was The Boys. I thought that you would 
draw that connection. I mean, yeah, no, it, it does have, like, kind of the don't-give-a-fuck, like, sense to it, and yeah. also the ultra-violence to it. Um, another character that we didn't say was Adrian Vigilante. Yeah, That's we'll get to all the characters. Through. Yeah. Um, and but, then, yeah, with the boys, I just wanted to touch on that for a second. Like, specifically his character. You know how Homelander is so hated, and he's just, like, he's definitely a bad guy. Yeah. Compared to Peacemaker, who you can tell wants to be a good guy. There are instances where Homelander, who is also sort of a take on Captain America, mm-hmm. but a more villainous one, and he ends up dating the KKK person and having that like Star person cli- cloud his vision, yeah. just like he's connected with his dad, and that's that's clouding his vision. They they are more similar than I originally thought they w- might be. Like Homelander may not find redemption by the end of the boys because of everything that he's done. Yeah, well, he... But, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, he he's, like, a hated character. It's it's much like uh, Omni-Man, where it's like, yeah, you might find instances where he's, like, trying, trying to True. be innocent. Omni-Man's but, a good But I feel like well. by the very end of the show, both those characters from The Boys and Invincible are going to just be villains, where it's like, here, Peacemaker is more an anti-hero, bordering on the line of actual protagonists. Yes. So, I mean, that that's how I feel about it. If not Homelander, you can't tell me that Vigilante didn't seem like some of those side characters, like the Deep a little bit. Oh, yeah, bit, no, completely, completely. Because yeah. <laughs> in the comic books, Vigilante is much more serious. He's a lawyer, not like a busboy or something. And so, like, they changed him in this role to be more derpy, and <laughs> he just seems a lot like those characters. Like, I, almost every single person in this I could see playing a role in the boys. And also in the boys, they did do a political-type yeah thing and this was definitely political in the last episode they were they killed the senator yeah right i mean i i actually that's why it also reminded me of doom patrol because remember the evil family in the, oh, the first humor, season the singing the tone of doom patrol i completely agree they yeah, just but, don't have the same budget on doom patrol obviously but in the first season you had the evil family that was kind of trying to uh kill like robin's group or whatever and then they like got rid of them like five episodes in that's what the senator family reminded me of uh in this do you mean titans yeah, I mean Titans. Okay, because I was I was confused what you meant, but yeah, Titans is another big DC hit. There's also some ones that you wouldn't even think about being DC, like Sweet Tooth, which we've covered. Mm-hmm. Watchmen, another pretty big hit, and uh, arguably some of the CW shows, Superman and Lois. <laughs> uh, in the Suicide Squad, when Rick Flag dies again, he says the "what a joke" thing that we see seen yeah. repeat here and feel bad about. Some people think that that's a reference to the Watchmen comedian character who is also like Captain America. So it's just funny how like in all these shows, you're always going to have some righteous figure who thinks that they know best. But the only one where they're actually a hero is in the Avengers. <laughs> well, when you when you uh, said the Watchmen thing, that that's actually really the first show that because I was thinking that people. Peacemaker was the first DC show to be like TVMA and really just go all out on it, but no, Watchmen. Is, yeah, they've is the first they've been all over the it. place with yeah. TV shows. However, this is the first one that's been connected, I think, to the movies directly. Yeah, because right. it was had no connection to the Watchmen movie. Super is also a movie we should talk about as far as what it reminded me of, at least. Super is that uh, Rain Wilson movie that came out way back in like 2010 about a vigilante guy oh, who just starts acting with out Ellen, with Elliot Page. Yeah. yeah. At the time, James Gunn was married to uh, Jenna Fisher, who Pam from The Office. Right. That's how he found Rain Wilson. He's the one who directed uh, Super. Oh, so okay. That's where I'm seeing this like whole idea of wanting to do Suicide Squad to begin with about a bunch of vigilante people who some some of them aren't evil, but just like ended up taking the law into their own hands and, and getting arrested for it like Peacemaker, as sort of something he's already done before with Super, which didn't get the best reviews, but it just seems like he likes to dabble in the same types of, like, industry, you know? 
Yeah, but I think like now, well, and I obviously this is gonna be a bigger budget. I was just gonna say now he like kind of just does movies where it's like a group or ensemble for the most part. Yeah, this is his first TV show. It also reminded me of the Spider-Man movie, not because of any superhero thing, but because every superhero type show or movie seems to want to pull in a right-wing conspiracist to yeah, put conspiracy on TV theories. for you. And that, so it was like an Alex Jones commentator going in the background of uh, the dad's house when he first comes to pick up his eagle. Right, but that one made like, more sense because it's like like you were saying, the dad is... Yeah, he's just indoctrinated, has, fully, yeah. fully evil. However, he's also a tech genius. Like, that one lab, is you did, that was one of my favorite parts, was when they walked into that room and it was like the TARDIS and it just suddenly <laughs> became way bigger. You'll have to explain the physics to me at some point, but the, his helmets, I never realized, had so much much ability no well yeah they're, they're not as like a like advanced as the tony stark's helmets though maybe but i mean if he's able to whip that out in his freaking trailer <laughs> or his small house uh deadpool pretty obvious yeah right of connection course, to yeah. that um snarky mm-hmm. some people even said the vigilante character was a lot like deadpool yeah i can see because that he's kind of like sociopathic like i don't care if i kill anybody oh my family's dead whatever the only time that we ever get like actual drama though is when he's getting tortured in the third episode by the senator was that dramatic to you i think there'll be drama throughout like someone might die or be at risk but you see where i think it's going is like one of the people has one of those evil butterflies in their head let's talk about the butterflies that reminded me of brain dead I mean, I never saw it, but I know what show you're talking about. The one with yeah. the little worms that crawled into people's heads. And then, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, it also reminded me of Slither, where... It, uh, obviously. And, and Which he directed, and it also reminded me of Scooby-Doo when Scrappy was inside that one body, and then he, like, took over the ghost of it. What I'm saying is James Gunn likes mind control. Even the first Suicide Squad movie that he directed was dealt with the star starfish guy who no matter how controls people with mind. it is. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I don't want to see a butterfly come out of someone's face. It looked like a mosquito. I wanted to smash it. I don't understand why we didn't see it explode at the end. <laughs> I don't want to have that thing get crawling inside me. Um, and also what it does to your tongue, it changes your, like... Yeah, like a frog. It's like the strain in that way. Mm. So the first episode was called A Whole New World... All of these were puns. The second episode was called Best Friend for Never. And the third episode was called Better Goff Dead. In the first episode, it was all basically him coming home, him being free, getting out of the hospital. Uh, After a clavicle, like, uh, inspection or something, right? Clavicle replacement. Yeah, because the bullet apparently shot a little bit lower than everybody thought. It wasn't in his neck. It was, like, further down in his neck, so it didn't actually, like, hit anything important. Mm-hmm. And he uh, came back after six months. Took him out for six months, so there's that. Uh I never thought there would be a father that would just make Jason Isaacs, is that his name? Like, yeah. put him to shame for Lucius Malfoy or Good <laughs> Sam or stuff. But this guy, this guy would really mess you up. Like, he, he was laughing at that rat joke, and it was just like, ugh. Oh yeah, my God. no, no that, that, was, that was bad. And then, like, also, we, you saw when he was in jail, he just, like, walked up Oh, to yeah, someone. and it was like the Aryans all just, like, sat down and saluted him. Uh, but I thought the team was going to be more inept. Like, from what I remember from The Suicide Squad is they look like they didn't know what they were doing for most of the time. They just had those buttons ready to push if, if the team messed up. Like, right. Their heads right. Yeah, right. But, like, this uh, uh, Economos or whatever his name is, is able to hack stuff. He just doesn't know what to do from there. And speaking of which, they continually use the fact that they're able to track Peacemaker because of that chip in his head. And I can guarantee you that probably by the end of this season, that chip is coming out of his head. One way or another, like, I don't think they're going to be able to keep it. He doesn't seem to care that show. much about it. Like, it, he was happy he was free, but it didn't seem like he had some 
villainous or even heroic plans. But it almost feels too OP for them, you know, where it's like we need to keep track of Peacemaker. I feel like it's it's going to come out of his head at some point. I think one of them might become infected. With the butterfly? With the brain butterfly, yeah. And that might cause an issue, but, like, I don't see how the team having the control over him is going to be too much. They're not Viola Davis or Amanda Waller's character. They're not as crazy as that. And they're the ones who saved him in the in the movie did you expect the sex scene to pop up like it did because no. that was like in the first first uh, episode right yeah and it, it was just like wow john cena okay i will say <laughs> you're married <laughs> you have kids how dare you <laughs> well I, I will say that like the first episode and you can make there's parts in the second and third episode of, like this as well but it was actually really slow moving to me like mm. at first i was like you don't need action. i was just enjoying the ride you don't need action to like propel your story forward but i do want to have plot or something like actually going forth and it didn't really feel like they had that and then it had like cliche scenes like i was kind of talking about with harcourt where she's at the bar and then that like dick kind of is being a dick to her and then she beats him up like it was just all those things and and so i was like oh no am i not gonna like this show but then by uh the the end they all seem to have the same fighting style though like they all seem to know the same jujitsu or or whatever they're using when they fight each other i was gonna say that the ending fight scene though like when you actually see peacemaker use his helmet and he's like being crashed the walls oh, the stuff. first episode that was on well the first like half of the second episode where he just has to run from the cops. I thought I thought he was getting cut worse than he was when she held the knife when we when she had, when he has sex with just the rando at the bar <laughs> and then she ends up being evil and tries to kill him before he can go after the butterfly initiative or whatever <laughs> and then he finds the weird thing in her house but she pulls that giant knife out and starts slicing him about it seemed like he had a lot more like he got a giant cut in the back that I never saw stitched up or anything I'm just like yeah. okay I guess the guy just heals fast or something i I mean i I thought he was human so i don't know (laughs) i assume so but i was just saying that like the scene where he's literally just running around the apartment and the police are chasing after him the first half of that second episode i thought was probably the best sequence out of the whole thing oh you like that yeah also i like the soundtrack but i feel a little odd saying that because in the initial movie the 2016 movie it felt like they were using all these famous songs to kind of copy Guardians of the Galaxy. Huh. But nowadays, it seems like every single movie has done that ever since Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Well, Gunn said that this has been his favorite soundtrack since the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So putting it ahead of even the second one, and he says that it was supposed to bring back sort of the hair slash glam metal um, that people may have just kind of distanced themselves from over the last few years. Did you stay for the after credit sequences? I didn't know there were after credits. There were three of them, one in each one right. in each episode. Yeah. Uh, you should go back. I won't spoil any for you. But also, at the end of the second episode, so John Cena's running around, or Peacemaker is running around trying to escape the hotel before the police get to him and pin him for the death of this person who was trying to kill him. Right. He breaks into an apartment. We see the person from For All Mankind there, and the wife who starts flirting with John Cena. And uh, he ties them up. He escapes. He does the limitless thing. He jumps on all the different patios to make it uh, down in the building. Yeah, his, he should have died. But before that, when he's with Evan and uh, Amber, and he's tied them up, and they're having this conversation, right? And she starts insulting uh, her husband because of him, his music choices. He had never heard her talk about this band Cinderella and how she talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then she ta- insults him for liking Foster the People and Pumped Up Kicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, the metal version at the very the end. The metal version at the very end <laughs> where they do it. And then they're like, how do you like that, Evan? 
the, that's, in the, that's said yes, in the thing. That's oh, said in I the lyrics. Sure that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's so many inside jokes here. We're not going to get to all of them. But I did also like the introduction in the first scene of Jamil, the untrustworthy janitor. Mm. And that, because that guy's from Outsource, that guy's from Mr. Robot. Like, I recognized him immediately. And oh, I was yeah. Just like, yeah, he's been yeah. everywhere. And so it was great seeing him again. And he was hilarious with this MIT joke. Um, and he's in the intro. I'm just going like, to list for off. All, for how many episodes is this going to be? Uh, I think season? it's eight. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to list off the good stuff so far for me. The physics of the utility room, like I said, his costume, sorry, the uniform that he calls it. <laughs> uh, he's eating healthy jokes. Um, the serious dance intro. Um, driving with the eagle. The eagle is just, eagly is the best, I think. And yeah. I know I'm just jumping aboard the bandwagon at this point because everybody's going to love that bird. But there are tons of times where I see like CGI. Like, you know, in um, His Dark Materials, where they all have their familiars and stuff. Right. They're supposed to be so cute and like lovable and stuff like that they overdo it and it's not as good like those characters aren't as good as say the eagle is in this because the eagle has a sense of like it doesn't give a shit like it's just friends with like it gave him the hug at the beginning. <laughs> yeah i know that, that that was funny i will say that like look the eagle eagly i like but it's just doing the same thing as like captain marvel like the care. captain marvel cat Oh, I don't care. But it's an eagle. (laughs) It's the fact that they've CGI'd a cool-looking eagle and the jokes that they're able to use it for. Like, it's just hanging out in the back of the car or that it brings him, like, a dead rat when he's down. But it feels like that's... I thought it's funny, but it feels like it's just doing that for that reaction. I didn't know how much I cared for the eagle until I thought it died for a second when the thing fell on the ground and I I was really looking at it to make sure it was a dead, like, rat before the eagle came down. I was afraid that the eagle died and I was about to get so pissed off the show and then his dove of peace uh that's grown on me as well because it's like it's a dove of peace that's his symbol that he had to draw oh, on the gun right, and such. yeah yeah that was uh, and then he said that he was sad that it wasn't something else right or that he didn't draw something else yeah, he just he just doesn't like it not being engraved in there beforehand because he makes it look like a ghost right there was one line uh that i had to write down in my prose column it's the part where john cena is having in the second episode like a breakdown and he says everybody fucking hates you because he's speaking to himself and Diebeard could be your friend but you pushed him away like you push everybody <laughs> away because you're a fucking dick the way he delivered that line it was probably my favorite out of all three episodes and then he tries to like gaslight vigilante when he shows up because he doesn't want him to like concentrate too much on the fact that he was crying <laughs> he, so he calls him he, louis ck yeah. he calls him louis ck and then he he accuses him of whipping out his dick when he probably knows that <laughs> that is not what was happening he's just trying to make people forget um yeah there were some confusing moments that that i'll break into it's not too much bad stuff it's more stuff that i don't think they'll ever touch back upon that i'm eh. i get he didn't want to shoot the kid for the story but once the kid had that weird thing coming out of his like his his, his, mouth. his tongue, like yeah. but it wasn't a tongue, it was like a Again, it was like, like a, a sucky straw or something. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't understand why he wouldn't have shot him then. Why why he would have had difficulty shooting him, considering who his character is. Mm-hmm. I think that was too much progression, too quick just for story's sake. Um and also the, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say the second that that happened, the second that um Vigilante took out those three uh characters, I was like, Oh, I know where this episode is heading. And I can say that for the first two episodes as well. It's like by the end of this episode, that senator's not making it out alive. I don't know how he's going to die, but it's pretty obvious that he's going to die by the end of this episode. Oh yeah. It's got a certain amount of charm to it, like the nineteen sixties Batman though. 
quirk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but like the cheesiness of of just like you always know the main characters are going to be okay. I don't yeah. think we're going to see Peacemaker die at the end of this. <laughs> but who knows? Uh, then he was in that three way with uh, Amber, which I found as a funny joke, but it seems so out of character. Like, how would Vigilante have never taken off his mask? But like John Cena's character be okay with a three way with it? It just yeah, seems so out of place. I, I agree with that. Also, I knew who that character was immediately. You did too, right? Like the second nope. that they showed that character from the diner, I was like, oh, that's Vigilante. Oh, no question oh, no. about it. No, I didn't because I wasn't even really thinking. I just wrote down guy at the diner. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that's in my notes. Um, but he's from uh, The Crew. So you would have seen him in the episodes of Jake or something. Oh, he might have played the racer? I don't know, but yeah. No. Yeah, that's the only thing I think you've seen him in that we've done for the show. Then they did the Bernstein versus Berenstein Bears. Mm-hmm. Or Bernstein versus Berenstain. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I really, at this point, I don't even remember what I, I originally down, thought it was. I wrote down every single time it's a Mandela effect, I'm wrong. <laughs> on every single thing so yes, whatever the it. mandela effect thing is right to just know that i have the opposite opinion because it just continually this, this happens. is the mandela effect that they're talking about clemson Murr never having feelings that scene where he's talking to die beard right and he's like I, it's it felt also kind of out of place because i didn't believe him right yeah because the joke was funny but like i don't know if it was the acting or not but he just he, what has he done to have any change in his character? Why would he suddenly feel have feelings now? I haven't seen enough movement from him. We just got introduced to him, so right. I don't know. Uh, and then the last thing is that I feel like having as much as it was funny to see his dad go to jail because we know he's an asshole. Chris Smith would not be okay with that. From everything we've seen, he's like really, really into getting his father's approval. If he found out that he was responsible for getting his dad stuck in jail, I feel like he would push. But does, team, he, does he know at this point? How would he not? It's his freaking dad. Like, wouldn't that be, like, the call? Or he's living there. Or no, I guess he's... But I don't know. I just felt like that... I don't think he knows yet. I he, think if he doesn't know, then he just doesn't know. Yeah. Right? I, I was going to say that um, I do not understand why I, I got that it was for the, like, oh, this is, that's what the butterfly means. But why didn't someone just tell John Cena, <laughs> hey, look, the butterflies are people that get into people's mind. He asked so many times throughout the three episodes. And when the actual reveal happened, I was just like... Yeah. And it's so similar to the starfish thing that he would have understood almost immediately. Right. It's not like he would but have it, to make it any leaps in the logic. Again, it's like, do you value humor more than you do story or story more than you do humor? Usually for me, it's story over humor, but eh. I don't think it hurts the story. It just kind of lets the audience see the reveal at the same time. And then you kind of have the WandaVision thing where at the end it pans out and you see like what it's actually doing. So like how many butterflies there actually are in the world. Right. Yeah. On the system or whatever. On the system. Um, So there's no way in the season that they're going to be able to kill all those things. But he has this weird looking spaceship, which I assume is where the butterflies may be from. Um, that oh, they're find gonna the look origin into. or something like that, and then maybe shut down one big butterfly, which kills them all. But that would seem too similar. That to would seem this. way too similar to the to the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overall, I do think that this is a show where the pros do outweigh the cons. And I think that if you like eight point three on IMDb, so yeah, yeah, and it, I think if you like the um, movie, you're probably gonna like the TV show as well. Like I didn't like how how uh, Peacemaker killed Rick Flag because Rick Flag was my favorite character from the Suicide Squad. Are you willing to get forgive Peacemaker for killing him? After seeing this show, sure. I yeah, mean. because it was, it's working on humanizing him, making him seem more misguided than anything else. Like, the dumb stuff that he does is through ignorance, but he's smart enough to figure it out and kind of grow as a character. He's crushed by his ideals because they've been so kind of 
morphed by this dad. To think about it that way, if your dad was as bad as his dad is and he just turned out as flawed as he did here, he, that's actually a testament to his character because yeah. he could have been way worse. But it feels almost a little unrealistic. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that's a, lot of, that's a lot of emotions coming from someone who originally was just given the task of playing a douchey bro Captain America. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, he sells it. <laughs> yeah, so the reviews on it have been Soars Like an Eagly. That's IndieWire. <laughs> uh, the Perfect Suicide Squad Chaser. That's CNET. So, and then another bullseye for DC, which was Den of Geek. Uh, so I think they've got a hit on their hands, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. Me too. I think that'll do it for our review then. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.